Suggested donation. <laughs> All right, we're rolling. <laughs> this is great. Suggested donation. Uh, 2018, the band is back together. We've got Jay Braun. Braun, Braun. Yeah, Braun. I said these guys, but I couldn't stay away. Beep. All right, go ahead. Welcome to Suggested Donation. I'm Edward Minoff. And I'm Tony Serenai. And we are joined in the studio of Mr. Peter Van Dyke. In the studio of Along Peter with Jay Braun. Braun, Braun. It's a Braun, really beautiful Braun, studio. Braun. Sunlit. Looks like it was custom made for a painter by a painter. Yeah. Is that, sounds, <laughs> sounds about right. Is that correct? Yeah, that, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And I'm looking at the back of your wife's beautiful motorcycle. Motorcycle, yes. Really motorcycle. glad you said motorcycle <laughs> yes. on that one. Which is also wheeled into the studio. Yep. That's a Ducati Monster, right? It is. Uh, 2001. We yeah. have this in common. We do. We do. It's, it's about the only thing we have in common. <laughs> but it was a dream that actually started together. We met at the Florence Academy in a long time ago. We were trying to figure out when that was, Carol and I. 2000. Was 2000? Mm-hmm. But you... And 2001. You... It was that funny. was 18 years ago. Oh, we don't have to push that point. Oh, my God. Um, I know, there, we're, there are adults we're that we're that. teaching who <laughs> were just years ago. born. Oh, would you have that with your students when you hear like their birth year? You're like, no, 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 the year you were born. <laughs> yeah. You're like, that's not possible. <laughs> yeah. it's Nobody was born then. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. No, when you hear about uh, uh, students being born when we were in high school doing That's, really stupid stuff. All right, let's not really get disturbing. to how old we are. <laughs> but that's the thing that I realized is that we are old now. We are well, you're mid-career. I yeah, I am a little I mean, bit old. point that out. You were always the young kid at the Florence Academy. Thanks. <laughs> but you were there for like a year, two I was just there for yeah, a year. Yeah, you just came in and dropped in, picked up some tricks, and then Yeah, yeah, out. and then <laughs> just sped off. Peace and out. Left you to pick up the pieces. Yeah. How Would long you, were you at the Florence Academy for? I think a little over three years, almost four years. So. Was it a four-year program then? I mean, it I was think it Pete. was. <laughs> <laughs> Everything takes a year. Let me just tell you, high school was a five-year program for me. So, uh, was it? It was indeed. <laughs> but I bailed on college, so I feel like I kind of made it you up. You made up, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, I think it was technically four years when I was there, um, but it was fairly loose uh, in its organization, so to speak, which is what was great about it. Yeah. I mean... I'm interested in what you guys, I don't know. I feel like that whole way of education is a lot better than what all the alternatives are yes. in, in terms of um, college and things like that. So, but do, but you th- do you think it's changed since you were at the Florence Academy now as far as, because <clears throat> with the GCA, yeah. I, I, you know, we were at the, the original Water Street. Yeah. It's a complete, like the GCA is a completely different place. Than What's the, evolved quite yeah. a bit, like, and it's become a lot more well, like, as systematized. I, as I learned at a birthday party this morning, to say something's evolved is to make a judgment about it qualitatively or about which apparently you don't do okay oh. no i'm just i'm funny how, how old were the kids at the birthday party it was the parents um, um but, like but pretty advanced kids I know, I know, I know. but uh yeah do you think it's we probably should, is it better like this it's not I, even better or worse i'm just it's whatever it's different. Is it, whatever is it better or worse i mean i think that I'm there kidding, are kidding, yeah better. no but for sure better. there are pluses and minuses to it but i i do think that like the thing that we were trying or that we were trying to learn yeah i think people who are teaching it now have figured out ways to more effectively or more efficiently teach that and so there's a loss of kind of the freedom of just figuring it out on your own but you know that takes a lot of time and i think it's a lot more 
you know, it's, it's a lot quicker, it's a lot more efficient yeah. in how the information is delivered. But the failure yeah. rate was such a, a learning experience like we it, failed so many times. That's that true. That's a really important. So much from yeah. that. You do. I, that, I mean, that's the thing. I, I look at what, um, and I remember Ramiro, who you knew, yeah, uh, who was such a big influence on myself and and me, and, yeah, and, and on sure. you and on Carolyn and that little pocket of people who were there at the time. Um, you know, I remember him saying that the school we had this vision that the Florence Academy before we got there everybody was amazing like oh, everybody yeah. was Charles Weed like just right. every, yeah. and and he was like no 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 it was not as good as it is now and I was like really really yeah and I think about now I look back I look at what comes out of the schools and I just think like everybody's amazing yeah and the thing that we were trying to do okay everybody can a do lot that. of people can do that and now. and for me that's a I mean, that's yes. It's more effective. It's it's more efficient at getting the the message across. Um, but uh, there's something weird about that stuff where you feel like, look, if everybody can do this, it cannot be that unique to me. You know what I'm saying? Right. And that's so so. Well, but um, then I think that brings you to or leads us to the criticism that I think is most frequently leveled against what's called the atelier movement, which yeah. is that like it's not teaching people the other part of it, the art making part of it. And yeah. I, I mean, I think that's a fair criticism in that it's never really, like, that's never been the battle that it's been trying to fight. But yeah. on the other hand, I think, you know, it has taught something incredibly important that was being completely neglected yeah. by, like, the university system. Or Yeah, I, I think more than, and I, I'd actually be really interested to know your y'all's take <laughs> yours guys's take on this but i the more you i te- use <laughs> yeah, use, use, use guys we are in philadelphia so i should say use um but uh i the more i teach and the more i am exposed where are you teaching to, right now at the pennsylvania academy of fine arts um the more i'm exposed to um uh students over time the more I think the best thing about, about an atelier education isn't even the content. It's just the focus and the rigor. Like, I, I just think that's the thing that other people don't learn. Like, Meaning, yeah. like, having the permission in a weird way to go somewhere and do just, nothing but this yeah, one thing. and to and do be... something very, very deep. Like, to go... Yeah. Ve- I've always been a, uh, an advocate of, the, the, of depth, of study, as opposed to breadth, because I think that... Um, if you go deep enough in any, Sasha's just gonna lick her. her That's okay, she can <laughs> lick all she wants. Um, should I get her a mic? <laughs> um, so, but but I, I think that- I You're mean, making more work for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just but, paying it back, Jay. <laughs> there's, there's an argument, I think, in, in school a lot about whether you should learn a little bit about a lot of things or a lot about one thing. Yeah. And, and my experience has been that if you te- learn a lot about one thing, you learn a lot about everything. and and. Like for example, I don't know, um, I don't know how. As you can tell, I don't know how to repair a motorcycle, but but I've been able to because I know what I know from painting about problems. Apart problems. Well, you trained like, yeah. your brain to be able to solve a problem. Basically, yeah, yeah. And, and and that goes for anything. Like, let me try to problem solve. This. Exactly, and that's and that's. I mean, I think you you know what kind of questions come up in a pursuit when you go far enough. Like you could compare your pursuit to somebody else's pursuit because you imagine, like what do you learn when you go and you stare at the same cast for a long time? You learn that from day to day, your perception of what is right and what is wrong can be grossly different, which is like, well, you got to imagine that that happens to a carpenter 
at some level. They got to imagine that, that what somebody thinks is wrong with the motorcycle one day, the next day they'll think, how could I possibly have thought that that was the problem? Like these are things that you know when you're painting, you encounter that, and and but yeah. you wouldn't know that if you didn't do it intensely. You wouldn't know that by somebody saying by giving you a day of painting lessons, right. yeah. and then a day of bike repair lessons. Yeah. You so I, I'm a huge fan of studying something deeply, and I'm not even sure it matters what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, but so then if 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 you're gonna apply that to painting, so then you you learn, let's say, how to paint the figure from life in a very particular way, really really well, and you spend a few years just doing that. Yeah. And then you can use the skills that you've developed to apply to whatever kind of art you want to make, which I mean, I've seen right. your work for lack of a better word evolve <laughs> coming out of the Florence Academy. It looked very different than it looks right now. And I think yeah. this is definitely something that like when I would hear you talk about painting, I think the kind of painting that you seemed to admire yeah. in the way that you talked about painting is very much consistent with the painting I'm seeing now and was yeah. not quite as consistent with that's the painting you were doing. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I, I remember thinking that, um, I think Daniel, who I adore, of course, who you guys have, have who is a huge influence on my life as well. Um, but I remember uh, Daniel sort of suggesting that that you know people's work really you know he when they left the school they had to spend some time sort of figuring out what they were doing and and yeah. and and, uh, and I was always like oh I'm not looking forward to that no, that's, <laughs> that's gonna be ugly I don't know what I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. find yeah um, and I realized that what you see is really people figuring out what they actually learned and what I you know it's funny what I learned and people say that about my work they're like oh your work is really different and. I have some of Ramiro's paintings and things like that, which we, you know, and I and I look at them and I think, the further I go in painting, the more I feel like, oh, I'm finally doing what he was telling me to do, <laughs> even though he would look at it now and be like, what are you doing? You know, it's like, but, but I didn't tell you to do yeah, that. But it's like, yeah, but he did, but he did tell me to do because because I think what I got from Ramiro, and I think you probably would agree, and Carolyn and others would agree that. You know, Ramiro really pressed this idea about you know designing the shapes of yeah. the picture, and so for me, it's like, well. That's all I'm still doing is just sort of, you know, with like puzzle piecing, rigor. yeah, puzzle piecing, you know, the picture together out of shapes. And it's like, it's the same thing that I admire in a Ramiro portrait. And a Ramiro portrait looks different superficially in a lot of ways than yeah. what I do. But to me, it's what I got from him, you know, whether he meant to teach me that or not. I don't know. <laughs> is there a moment when you started realizing the change in the sense of, um, where you were going in deep and then there was, I don't want to say like an epiphany, but all of a sudden you were like, oh wait, I need to kind of keep digging deeper into this one thing. And, and then where it started changing the look of your painting. I don't think there was a clear moment, but, but it's a slow, I think it's a slow shedding of the unnecessary mm. things. You know, um, that's probably more how I would describe it. It's like, um, you know, like I have obviously a lot of tools and like, I mean, like painting tools, but yeah, like, yeah. like home You've like tools. built a house on your own. Mm. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Well, Carolyn and my brother helped a lot. <laughs> but um, but one of the things that, that you find is like, wow, I, there are some tools I use all the time and then just some that I never, never use. use and I just figure if I don't use them, well, 
with actual tools, you definitely keep them. Yeah. <laughs> they make your workshop look awesome. But, um, uh, and people will ask you, what's that? And you're like, I don't know. I've never used it. But, um, but it looks cool. But it looks it's awesome. Rad. But so, you know, I think it's a, it's a gradual, um, yeah, sort of distilling or burning off of the, of the stuff that you didn't need, you know. And, and there was certainly a lot of stuff that, say, Ramiro or Daniel cared about that that i guess i over time i've shown myself to not care about you know and that's yeah. nothing against anybody's work it's just that that's not you have I, different clearly priorities. that's not my import, you have your important your own priorities to me. yeah you know no, what i mean yeah no absolutely eventually I'm, the idea is that there's all this stuff thrown at you yeah the willingness to accept it all yeah and then eventually be like well there's certain hot spots that i'm always going to be in right i'm going to start concentrating on that and all the other stuff like you were saying kind of just burns away right and it's not like the good thing about it is that it's not like you're i guess you can say you purposely let things go yeah but it's just a natural <laughs> evolution it of it just kind of going away and being like well these are the places that i'm just concentrating on and that's that's another thing that's really strange about about education and self-education i think is that like you are trying to find something that's in you, but somehow you can't find it by yourself. Mm. You know, you need, I don't know, you, you go and you get all these things imposed on you and they feel really unnatural at first and you know you're supposed to feel unnatural. And then you get to a place where all you're trying to do, I think, is do what feels totally natural. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you, when you get a new student, you're like basically trying to, you know, cram them into some protocol or way of working that is usually pretty bizarre for them. Yeah. They're like, wait, you want me to stand how and do what, you know? But then that becomes natural for them and then they have to find, sort of, you know, figure out uh, what what they're going to get from that or something. I, I don't know. It's it's just Or how not, they're going to personalize it. Like yeah, become, and I, yeah. make it their own. And, and that's one of the things, like, I'm you guys, when you, when you were learning, you learned a very sort of volumetric-based yeah. way of working. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. And what did you get from that? What is volumetric? So somebody Anybody? just quickly define Anybody? volumetric for the for the train. Well, spot. Tony, how would you describe the difference between that and what you think? Like the, sculptural, well, it three dimen- more of a, thinking three dimensionally. It becomes more of a conceptual idea of what of what roundness, let's just say, right. is as opposed to the um, what you would. Uh, uh, that you would trust your eyes on, but it's right. like it, an, it's an approach, an, an, an impression think. versus like the idea of like, well, I'm going to kind of think my way through this, thing. or I'm going to analyze the subject yeah. to better understand it, and then I'm going to paint it based on my not necessarily just my perception, but my yeah. perception informed by my understanding. By yeah, and that's that's always you know the the more I I painted, the more I realized how I how I misunderstood what I thought the impression like i i kind of thought oh there's this purely optical thing out there and there hence we have velasquez and vermeer and all this stuff and then there's this sort of conceptual based volumetric thing out there uh and i don't think that i don't think there is an optical thing i really don't i think that is a total illusion like that that the idea that there would be some like frozen retinal projection that your job was to sort of lock that in to place I've I've become more and more convinced that that is just nonsense. That 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 is as much a conception of reality as a volume is. I think I can you know agree with that because it can it can be different. Like, oh well, it, it can could, never be like two people could be like, well, no, this is the exact 
Right, you There's, know, the, and it's not because they'll see it slightly different ways, and their interpretation is always going to be a little. But bit that's different. you're talking about from life because I mean, photorealism yeah. is, so, is that. So every yeah, but but that always has to place the the photograph between you and the and thing. Them, right, yeah. right. So yeah. there's so always an interpretation. So when people, yeah. I think yeah. the reason that that imp, the imp, the visual impression has any sort of objective credibility, people say like, well, oh, well, you're thinking about it because you're thinking about volumes. And you're not thinking about it. You're just peeling the the skin off of the appearance and slapping it onto the thing. That is a totally photo conditioned way to think about reality. It's totally photo. And, and so, I would say that Vermeer is as conceptual a painter as anybody working from a volumetric based approach. He's just conceiving of it differently. You know, like uh, it, it's it, not it's not some. I don't think it bypasses the intellect. Do you know what I'm saying? Like. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know. I wonder about Vermeer. He's an interesting example because, I mean, you look at his work in the context of all the other painters at that time. Yeah. And there's definitely like a a, a step removed from like a, I don't know, camera obscura right. projection in everybody else's paintings. And then his, the, I don't necessarily feel that step, that, like that yeah. degree of removal. And, yeah. and he... I don't know that I would totally agree with that in his case. You mean that, that he, well, okay. That he was like incredibly faithful to an image that was projected onto a surface. Was. I you do. think he was. I, that may be true, but that's none of what makes his paintings beautiful to me. That's true. I mean, that's like not, and that's right. another thing. Like that, that Tim's Vermeer thing. I don't yeah, know if you ever yeah, saw yeah, that, like, Tony, but like. Uh, they, I want to do a, I want to do an episode. We just should, but the, that. the funny, yeah. I mean, it was produced by a magician, which tells you like, he's all, the thing he's, he's interested in is like the sleight of hand yeah, that yeah. makes Vermeer a genius. And it's like, yeah. no. that's not what makes Vermeer a genius. Yeah. And you look at the guys and it's impressive that it's his first painting is a copy of Vermeer and it's yeah. not bad, yeah. but it's not a Vermeer right. by I mean, any totally... stretch. And he misses the thing that is interesting about Vermeer, which is yeah. the depth of like the layering of the paint and well, how and, he uses. And, and just like, well, how does how do those shapes of that image fit together? I mean, right. like, you're just going to take that as a given? Like, well, that part's easy. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's just yeah. there. Yeah. You just do it. No, it's not quite that <laughs> yeah. easy to do. And so, no, I guess I guess I was under the illusion when I was in, in um, or the misconception, I should say, when I was in Florence that that there was a way, there was an objective interpretation of the of the picture plane, mm-hmm. that that was just a fact. And but but the picture plane itself is is a conception. It's not a real thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I mean, think about that. And and that's where, like, this, to me, this intersection happens. Like, for everything you look at, if we just assume a picture plane, right? Well, and a picture plane that's perpendicular to your line of sight. Well, who's to say how big that picture plane is, right? Like, what is it? This Like, how much of your field of vision does it take up? It's like 60 degrees. Okay, well, they say it's 60 degrees, right. So that's the, that but whatever. But you outside of your cone of yeah, vision. Well, like, right, which, right. Which so is this, is, this is exactly, so this is where these things intersect to me. So, like... How would you, people, they, they say, well, uh, is it 60, I should know this, I teach I think 60 degrees. degrees. Okay, so 60 degrees. It's about it's just, the length of um, the, the, uh, a toilet paper tube. I think it's actually, you have to cut, I don't, I don't you spend, a lot, I I don't spend a lot of time looking at the toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> really, you do. I do. Yeah. When the paper's gone, that you throw is, it away. That's the golden <laughs> yeah. So he's like, let me show you my collection. I made a clubhouse out of toilet so, paper in her tubes. All of his furniture. It's all toilet paper tubes. <laughs> So I Excuse know, me. <laughs> I don't know how easy this would be to explain without just just in terms of audio, but um, okay. So 
the 60 degrees, that comes from the idea that that's how much you're quote unquote focused on. Yeah. That's what you can see. Everything else is right. blurry or would be. Right. Yeah. So I don't know how your experience of, of looking at stuff is like, because obviously I've never been in somebody else's head. But um, I've been in there. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to. It's go like a black back. mirror. Actually, I can, I can, I can imagine. <laughs> he sees nothing. <laughs> so, um, but, but when I think about focus, right? Yeah. Think about this. Like if I look at, I, I would say, I don't know if you fit in my cone of vision or not, but I would look at you and I can say I can visually apprehend you. Yeah. Like I feel like, oh, I can see all of Tony right now. But if I look at your nose all of a sudden, I feel like, wait, no, I can't. I can really only see his see nose. See the nose, yeah. Yeah, so as... you're focusing. Right. So, so for me, that's not a question so much. That your nose isn't farther away than the rest of your body is. Wow, so peripherally, it's, you're yeah, like, you can, you can change yeah. the degree of peripheral vision depending yeah, on where you're concentrating. But, but I think I think it's that you apprehend things not just visually but physically like like that you that you that I when I say I can see your computer that is not something that I could isolate as a single visual truth that I think there's there's all kinds of scanning and and I'm collect like you're collecting data almost yes, and like yes, compiling it together it's in your head incredibly complex yeah. and and it because it's so complex that it can be sort of dis, disassembled and reassembled into reassembled. something poetic, God willing. You know what I mean? Like that's <laughs> that's actually my only hope in painting is that like it, it it's a little bit like I mean it, that's kind of what it's more but, filtering than collecting. Well, it's 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 sort of like I can't it, it cannot be taken all at once. You can't just slide the world onto the canvas. So you have to disassemble it into its component parts, and then. But you're making the choice of which component parts that you that's want That's true. That's absolutely true. What are the components of vision? And that's, I think, the more, or what are the components of perception? Like, yeah. Yeah. And so we can think about light. We can think about volume. We can think about planes. <laughs> Sasha agrees. <laughs> Sasha's, I'm sorry. I said some nasty things earlier about Sasha. I apologize. Sasha, online. she's saying, I've heard this one before. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, the more, I think the richer your imagination for the components of perception, the richer your painting is going to mm. be. And that's why, you know, Anatomy, for example, as a body of knowledge, people will say, you know, I have students that ask me, should I study anatomy or whatever? Uh, and I always think like, well, if it will enrich your, your perception of the world, yes. But it's not like you have to do that to make a good painting. Like you can, I mean, you can make a good painting without knowing what the bones are called. But knowing what they're called might make being in the world in front of a figure a more compelling experience for you. Therefore, you can make a better painting out of that. And mm. so I think the more the more lenses you have on the world, which is one of the reasons I think I'm obsessed with doing different things, like, you know, working on the bikes and, and working on the building stuff, yeah. is that it's just a whole new set of lenses to, to flip the world through, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you take the world apart and, and then you start to put it back together uh, and that's why that process is endless. That's why I can't yeah, finish a painting. Gonna, that's why you're, um, and you always re re-enter re your right, paintings. Right. right. But, but I think that the fact that the three dimensional, and this is, this may, touches a little bit on photography, I think, but, but the, the three dimensional to two dimensional thing is essential for me because it's in that space where well, you have to do that. You have to do it. <laughs> you have to you do have it. To do I mean, that's it because, what we do. <laughs> right. No, because it's a little bit like, and I'll tell a good, like uh, Ramiro was, um, he would say these things to us. He, he was originally a Spanish speaker, spoke Italian um, and spoke English. Fancy. Um, but, but the thing is his English was like poetic by mistake. It was because, <laughs> but he would say things, and this was really kind of beautiful, is because he saw, 
he didn't think in English, like he was sort of translating. Yeah. And he would say things that really, in a lot of ways, made sense. They were grammatically wrong, but they felt really true. Mm. And and so that little gap in translation, that little error, is kind of the way I think that's the only little space for poetry in my painting. It's like in that little bit of place <laughs> where I do not know what goes there. Like, and you know what I'm saying? So the, the, you have to kind of take it apart. Like, for example, you know, if if you're painting, I mean, I'm just thinking of one of the things I'm looking at now, like. If you're painting the lower corner of the room, yeah. right? If and and if you're looking at it and you're thinking like <laughs> how much contrast do I expose that to? Well, you're doing that in consideration for how the overall movement of light in the picture works, right? right. Yeah. That's like an embedded thing in your yeah. brain, right? Yeah. That's so embedded that must be so embedded for you yeah. when you're painting something in the distance that you know how to dial the contrast appropriately. You to almost the do it automatically. Yeah, you you're, do it automatically. You, you stop observing, and you're just oh, like, I'm just going to do this. I've never observed anything in my life. <laughs> I mean, like, I, but isn't that a dangerous thing? I mean, like, isn't it sometimes interesting to open up those those conversations? Like, say, my instinct is to dial yes, this way down, yes, but, yeah. like, what yeah. if I didn't? I don't yeah. know. I mean, like, that's, that's how you arrive at new things, or that's how you totally change, true. right? You yes. have to occasionally fight your instincts. And I think that's again why working from life is so good. And I think, yeah. but that's, but that I think also is a is an issue of of temperament. And that's what I think you will not necessarily learn in an atelier. Right. It's like, okay, but I'm, this is working. How willing am, am I to to mess to mess with that idea? Well, it's a you funny know, like, thing though. Whatever because, it is. I mean, we were talking before we turned the mics on about like uh, a certain commitment to just painting what's honestly in front of you and right. you try to like when you're teaching you just try to have people respond to what's in front and if the models may be a little bit awkward if there's mm -hmm. some weird you're often like look this is an exercise just figure out how to paint that because that's yeah. what's happening right now and by learning how to do that you teach yourself how to work with reality you can always distort it right but why don't you just try to work like just be faithful to what you've got right now, and right. then down the road, you wind up discarding a lot of that yeah. because you want to be free to make choices. But there's, and there's so much of that that, yeah, I mean, we came from that tradition, which right. was essentially that, you know, painting w was really built on the back of, of um, accruing accurate observations about what you were looking at yeah. on the canvas. Mm -hmm. And and I still feel like that's mostly what I'm doing. Um, but one of the things that I, you guys probably knew this already, or at least um, talked about it, was one of the things We just that didn't I, want to tell you. Yeah, no, thanks a lot. You're going to be suffering. <laughs> one of the things that, um, uh, that I was exposed to a lot, uh, being at the Pennsylvania Academy, I think, and even a little bit before that was people who were not interested. They had they they basically were just looking at the painting. That's it. The the, mm -hmm. the ground. And I was like, oh, well, I guess in a way that makes a lot of sense. I mean, <laughs> that, you would think you would have thought of that already, but um, and so I has sort of been. I think ever since leaving school, been more and more in in the crowd of people who are only looking at the painting. Right. And I could see how through their eyes what I was doing was unbelievably boring. And I would agree with them. Like I mean, and I realized, you know, there's some way that these things have to meet where you know, what what has to happen? How do you have to tune? Yeah, go ahead. Not to interrupt you, but no, when no, you no. say just so I don't 
when you say that to, in their eyes, you feel like what you're doing is unbelievably boring. Is yeah. it the subject matter you're talking about, or the no. way you're approaching? Your... No, this would have been this would have been not not so much now as like say when I first came out of school. Yeah, just painting um, what's in front of you faithfully is boring. Right. Well, it wasn't because it was faithful or because it was with the subject matter, but because visually it was not very interesting, abstra okay. abstractly. Mm. Okay. And so you know, I had a totally eye-opening experience with a guy named Phil Geiger. I don't know if you know Phil, but um, Phil is a painter in, um, he was in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, but I think he's just moved out of there. Um, and I took some paintings to him to show him, and I had an, an interior that was very much, and I love his paintings. This um, is after Florence. Yes, painting. this was like 2000. You were off on your own. Yes, yeah. 2009, I would say. And I had an interior, and he paints interiors, and and. And I, he, I put my painting up next to one of his, and and he said, "Well, the difference is that your painting is a dark painting with light spots in it, and my painting is a light spot, light, light painting with dark spots in it." And I was like, "Holy shit! How did I not see that?" <laughs> and 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 I had realized, like, wow, he is making all kinds of things that I would see as manipulations in order to get the painting to have a certain abstract life to it. Yeah. I was told you can't do that because you can't do that and get a sense of light. But then I saw a lot of people mm. like, wait, no, you can do that. Yeah, there are ways, and and that's what, that's what I've really been thinking about is what can you get from these ideas about squinting or condensing whole ranges of value, or gradating light throughout a picture? All these things that we think about, what can you get from that, and how can you like mess with that machinery to arrive at a powerful abstraction? Yeah. You know, and that and that, you know, you know what I'm saying, like. Mm -hmm. Like that that painting. I mean, I think the interior. Yeah, that with the motorcycle. With the motorcycle yeah, I was telling you guys like, which I love. By that's the way. been so through good. <laughs> so many manipulations. It's if you go there and if you look at that from back there, the values are so highly adjusted mm -hmm. to get them to get the painting to average light as opposed to being average dark. You know. Yeah. Um, and the the. The contrast, say, between the, dis the building on the outside and the wall right next to it is just nothing like what it should be in terms of, like, what oh, right. we and, and But the, you can't possibly capture. I mean, like, right. that's daylight outside hitting a white building right. versus inside of a white room. Yeah. And you can't, I mean, that, that's a contrast that you, right. you've lost already. So, we, so but, but what I find is that you have to, I have had to, I think we learned kind of to keep the high, the light part of the palette packed really high up in this on the range, yeah. mm -hmm. and then make a nice clean break in the middle and push the rest of it down. Right. I don't know if you guys learned just, but that's what we learned in, in, in Florence. Florence. Yeah, and I think more and more kind of compress on the low end so yeah. that your lights feel really bright. Really, really right. bright. And, and the painting kind of averages dark. Right, yeah, so it right. averages a dark paint with light things in it. So we used to paint like a figure with a very dark, dark drapery behind right. them, and it's basically a black painting with a figure that's right. like very. So lit it seems by like it's a, a very small lighter, aperture so you can get, light, which so it seems a lot which lighter. makes sense if you're trying to teach about the way that volume is rendered by yes. or explained by light. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I find more and more that I want to make paintings that look a little more like um, like a a piece of paper with drawing on them. Mm -hmm. In terms of like the default condition is light, and mm -hmm. then it's then it's drawn into, and so I've pushed the the key of the painting way, way, way up. So you're kind of doing the same thing flipped. Yes, exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. But you yeah. would, I mean, like in the painting that we're looking at, and we should get an image to be able to post it. But 
the like the the motorcycle mm-hmm. actually does get quite dark mm-hmm. in the dark spots right. and you're in a white room with lots of ambient light bouncing around you would never if you pushed everything down in that room you'd mm-hmm. you'd be forced into another calculation which is either you're not able to see the details on the motorcycle right. Or those darks just aren't going to, like, you're going to run out of room on the dark you're side. You're going to run out. At, at, yeah. at some point, whether which way you go, you're going to run out of room. Right. So you everything does have to be calculated to be yeah. able to, like, for the picture's sake. And, and I, I also would say that, yes, for the picture's sake. For the like, picture's sake. And, and I, Not reality's sake, but for the picture's sake. Well, and I think, I think my experience of painting was that, the the painting in the end of the day is the re, is the reality. I mean, what right. we know of Velasquez was not what he was looking at, but yeah. what he painted. In and um, so, you know, I I agree. It is a tricky puzzle of like how are you going to spend your contrasts? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, and, yeah. and and you do that. You Here's do all that, the eggs in yeah. this basket. Yeah. Yeah. But I I mean I commit all kinds of acts of of like just. Total dishonesty. Yeah. I mean, like, but, but but if it, I mean, you know, so, so like you were saying about the motorcycle, you know, I have an appetite that comes from my desire to describe the motorcycle, right? And so you know, like Sasha disagrees. <laughs> I think the other thing is I don't demand a right. consistency of logic. Like, do you know what I mean? I don't. Yeah. I will totally let that slide. If um, uh, I, I think. Um, the the material in the visual world is the impetus for some abstraction in a way. I mean, whether that's abstraction, well, for sure, by yeah. volume or by shape or whatever. I mean, you're smearing pigment and oil on. I can't like it's it. Yeah. At its inception, it's it's, it's abstract, abstract in some way, shape, or form. But it's right. not like you are choosing certain. There are certain liberties you're willing to take, and then certain other liberties you're obviously not willing to take. What yeah. would you call this? Wait, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. Your style. I mean, it's not. It's like it's kind of realist, but it's kind of almost impressionist, and it's kind of got some abstractions. Like what? They're powerful abstractions, and yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. like, I love the abstract. Like I walked in, I was like, oh, I fucking love this. Like it's so. <laughs> it's both. It, it's it's for me. It's like a hybridization that is like it's very unique. And as far as the palette goes, it really has its own thing. You know what I mean? Like we don't see like how we haven't. I don't think we've had anybody in the podcast who quite has this he, set of hues yet, have we? No. I don't know if I'm using the right terminology here. But There's also like a real set of focus where like you're okay letting an easel kind of disappear for a little yeah. while, or like, and it like these guidelines. And, it doesn't, you and know? back to what you're saying, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to stay like that. Right. At any point, you could be like, it's pop, right. it's back in. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. In fact, that's all. That's all that. I mean that that sort of coming and going of the objects I yeah. think came from just a first of all desire to paint a continuity of space yeah. and then I I mean I did realize that not that this you should think you would realize this right away but um <laughs> that that it was you did much better to paint a space and then insert things into it than, yeah. than to try to paint things and then well you're giving yourself like a foundation oh, to be like something to like grab onto right to, because I mean, but i mean doesn't it depend but, on what you're doing like with the painting i mean like if you were the motorcycle i think is interesting in that painting also just because of the way that you've cropped it like if i chose to paint my motorcycle I can imagine myself just putting it in the middle of the canvas or something <laughs> like that and the fact that Ted's like it's motorcycle. totally cut off 
makes it in some ways like more interesting. It also means you don't have to paint the front wheel, which yeah, probably yeah. would have been a nightmare. <laughs> <a> flat tire. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. on the other hand, like it, I don't know. It's it's compelling. It feels like you're like the motorcycle in some way is like stepping off the canvas or outside of the picture frame. Well, yeah, I mean, I've I always been interested in, in moving the, the viewfinder, so to speak, around. Um, and, and the other this thing... This one really does that. Do you literally that, do that starting a painting? Do you actually look through kind of like not, a viewfinder? Not, or, any, not anymore. I did you, I did do that a lot. Um, uh, but but not, not anymore. I think the, the trying to paint the kind of continuity of space and, and light moving through the space and then sort of inserting the things and then having to repaint the space through the things, I really wanted to be working in a way where no object or and no moment felt too much like that was the only, that was the thing in the That painting. was the pure you know, focus right. of yeah. everything. And I, know, and I know that that, I wanted to do that because you can feel yourself feeling bad when you start to paint like you're afraid of something. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so as much as I can, I would try to come up to the edge of that motorcycle that I was like, oh, yeah, that looks all right right now. I better not mess it up. And just like, just keep going. You know, just paint right through it if you have to. And and Mm -hmm. to not hold too tightly onto any one object so much so that the objects breathe into the space more. Is that something you do later in the painting, in the beginning, like in the middle? Because I'm kind of curious how you even start. So uh, what happens basically is that, that um, I think I mostly think about the structure of the space, whether it's inside or outside, and then the way the light enters the space, mm-hmm. and a little bit about the things that populate the space. Um, and then I sort of block that in in a really, what you would say is like a super conceptual way. Like, I mean, you know, the way you would think like of... Like with perspective. And yeah, you, although yeah. perspective is a dicey... I don't want to cling too much to allegiance to perspective because I, I don't like the way people use that word. But um, <laughs> We have to uh, get back to that. Uh, but right, keep going with the, so, starting the picture um, first. Uh, so just the way you would conceptually block in light hitting a block, you know, light hitting a plane, being obstructed, casting a shadow... Right. Like a, a cube in space. Like of. you would... Exactly. Like you block in a still life of cones and things like yeah. that. It's exactly like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just that now you're standing in the still life as opposed to looking at the still life. On a table mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. And, and, and then there's a nod to like, the, well, the, you know, I think a lot about the color of the light, whatever I think that is. Now I try to get the light to move through that space. Like whether they'll hit planes, not hit planes. And then, and then, you know, like we were all programmed with this idea that that you know you kind of the light has to kind of gradate throughout mm-hmm. the picture. Mm-hmm. It's not, mm-hmm. and and so I think a lot about that. Um, and and then, it does in your pictures for sure. And then and then I start to um, populate it. Like, and a lot of that has to do with drawing. It's like ninety percent of the time I would say I'm drawing. Like ninety five. You leave a lot of that drawing. Like you have I, a lot of like these guidelines yeah. are so cool. Like, There's a lot of that. Those lines are those just freehand with like a brush and they can't pink be. Paint? No, no, they I'm can't be. Freehand. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them are like art. <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, oh, yeah that's yeah. another thing. Is your is your perspective? Dist- you have no problem. Let's just say this: we the painting we're discussing right now, and that we've been discussing, is a painting of the room we're in. Right. So it's really easy. I mean, we got to show so that mad. we got we yeah, got to yeah. show that painting. But it's really easy to see how you are seeing this versus right. what we're actually. You know, right. I, I'm looking at this girder and I'm like, I could, I could 
character's not curved. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'm definitely seeing. So wait, like, let's talk a little about perspective because the girder is is bowed in yeah. the painting. Yeah. There, and I'm so, noticing it here too. You know, this seems yeah. like a fisheye lens kind of. A, so, yeah. so it does have. It has an intersection with with a fisheye. It gets back to the idea of of, a, of the picture plane. Um, so basically, the, like you know, any perspectival projection assumes a picture plane. Those angles that you measure are measured relative to a picture plane. To a right, picture right. Plane. They're not rel- You don't like hold it sympathetic to the form in space. Mm-hmm. So, my question is then: Oh, how big is the picture plane? Right, and I think it's not that big. Well, you no, know I should say I think it's as big as you want it. To yeah, be. meaning and you're not any your cone of vision could well, go it, it as not, big as you want. Right, it can be as big as you want, but it can, but but it can also the picture can also be composed of many many different picture planes all together, pieced together, and then unfolded onto the canvas, basically. And generally, you would get that. So you it's would like get yeah, lots curve. of different cones of vision. It's basically, a bunch of yeah, but there's no that makes it sound like I have to have a system, but but there's not. But but the idea is that. Yeah, if you take your hand and you look around, it makes plane, a dome. It makes a dome, you. and then right. if you were to try, it's like you're looking at the inside of a basketball or something. If you were to try to push that onto a canvas, you'd have to cut it to unfold it, right? right. And like those globes, exactly. Are, yeah. And so, you know, well, what goes in the cut space then? It's like, how do you exactly. match up these angles that what don't does match go in the cut space? <laughs> Whatever you can put there. Um, <laughs> that's the art uh, yeah, that's right. So. Um, it's it's basically what you would experience if you exposed yourself to an ever shifting picture plane. Right. But it's not even that rigorous. It's it's very much tuned to the demands of the way I want the space to move because I think space has a gesture to it. That's like yeah. one of the things that that I think is super important. I mean, people talk about gesture and they think they mean like like somebody's waving at them yeah. like, like it's that's expansive. A yeah, like it has a movement. It, it it goes from one thing to another, and and so um, I think space has a gesture. I see that in in Corot. I see that in um, well, an obvious example is like Rackstraw Downs. I don't know if you know Rackstraw Downs' work. Yeah, of course. Um, but you know, and even Canaletto. Like if you look yeah. at Canaletto, you'll see he's like taking you one direction and then heading it the other direction. So so you travel compositionally, not just over the two dimensions of the picture, but in different ways through the three dimensions of the picture. And so, like, you know, I, I'm really interested in conducting the space in that sense, you know, and, and, and I will use any uh, tool at my disposal to do that, you know, tightening convergences or pushing a wall one way yeah. or, or enlarging it up, you know, just sort of flexing this, the objects in the space in order to get something that feels... I mean, so like you're like in the room that we're looking at with that bent uh, Mm -hmm. uh, beam, it's almost like the room is expanding, like it's it's inhaling. Right, exactly, and if it's like I think a Christopher what, Nolan like yeah. movie. Yeah. But, but one of the things is like, well, do you, you paint can... on mushrooms? <laughs> um, I mean, it's a little bit of kind of a movement against sight as a static idea. You know, I think yeah. that, that, and I think that. What you get, if you, you will measure that girder to be just like that, if you hold the angle in front of you like that, and then you turn your head and measure the same angle further yeah. to the right. Yeah, right. Yeah. All, and, and so there is this curvature, no matter what. Uh, and so I think what the pictures imply is not, is, is the movement of the person looking at them. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And to right. me, that's, 
uh, I guess that's what I, I really like that in, in work. That's an interesting, you know? though. Really it's like a theme that. across your work because you're you're constantly painting things in and out right. of, of the space. And, and I think that, like, you're allowing the space to change as your view of it changes so as like well. So, like, the and space I mean, becomes like a breathing object. Absolutely. You know, yeah. it's like a living object, more yeah. or less, not so, a breathing. forgive me, what would you call your style of painting? I thought we kind of got dodged that question. I don't, I, 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 <laughs> I actually okay. don't really use, I would never use the words. Style to me sounds too self-conscious. Okay. Uh, no, no, I, I, you're asking me what somebody else would call it. Or, well, what or, about what when you're describing, it? like, yeah. when somebody's like, like, oh, you're a painter. What's your? What I can't. Do? I can't do that myself. Oh, man. No, I, 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 I don't know if I could do. Yeah, I can't you guys do agree it. with me, right? I can't That's, do it. You guys, like Tony, I know what Tony's style is. And I, whoa, whoa, I, do you? What is my style? Yeah. I can't even. Your style is uh, graffiti influenced hyperrealism. I never even thought of that. <laughs> it's totally true. When really? I see, but uh, I couldn't say that because I'd be like, little, I don't know if Ted's that's true. Is a little is is a little harder because I don't see as I see the realism. She's so mysterious. I resist labels. I think when hearing you describe that makes me think about why uh, it's hard to talk about style from the point of view of the maker because I think that. Um, I think style is something that people use to describe other people's work and not their own. I think, do you know what I mean? And, it, and that doesn't make it, I'm not saying that I makes think it that a wrong makes a lot. thing. That says, yeah. That's what makes but, a lot of sense to um, me. You know, I'm putting you on the spot. I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing it on purpose. No, but that's a good, no, it's, I mean, a it's a very, very good, good point. question. Yeah. It's a very good question. And, it's and, something we actually argue and talk about Course, because when people in our own little everybody's like we can't put a, like a label on it or yeah. are you realism or academic realism or classical and I'm like I don't know well, I don't I have think a word all, for any all, of this it's a place where where just like verbal language just comes up way too short and 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 any word that you would say would include all kinds of other things that you don't mean right. you know yeah. when you say it and right. so. So I think if somebody would, if I said, somebody said, what kind of painting do you make? I'd, I'd probably be happier to show them a painting than to say you know, that kind of that. painting. <laughs> yeah. But, but I, I, I mean, you know. I happen I, to have a few I, panels. <laughs> I mean, I consider myself, well, I, get, I would say I'm a representational painter. Yeah. I'm not cool. sure how else to say it. That's, that's um, good. Yeah. That'll do it. I um, end up saying that. But the, but the reason for that I think has less to do with the the superficial qualities of the of this what you know like the way it looks than to the fact that it matters that it refers to something other than the painting itself. Yeah. And that's the distinction I would make between abstraction and, and like what's she doing now? <laughs> she's tearing her bed. She's tearing her bed up. Her yeah. bed up. Okay, but what's Sasha doing? <laughs> um, so, we should give updates throughout the podcast. <laughs> which is that too. But uh, I think, um, yeah, like f- abstraction to me, when I like abstraction, or when I like what people would call abstraction, I'm always getting some kind of reference out of it. Like I'm, and and I I'm, I might be bold enough to say that that's always the case. That that it's that a painting or an object uh, that is is always making reference to something other than just itself. Do you okay. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, that doesn't mean that it has to be illusionistic, um, but does it call to mind any but experience? But it can be. It can be, yes. Yeah. But does it call to mind an experience other than the thing itself? And, and do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that to yeah. me is yeah. representational. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it relies on reference to another experience as well. Do, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because so, seldom are, is anything the, exactly what you think it is. Exactly. In life. Right. right. In general. Right. Do you approach 
each new painting relatively the same way or is each one kind of like uh, what am i going to do like how am i going to tackle this one or, or do you generally have a style to be like i, I kind of do this first i kind of do this second and then eventually <laughs> and then eventually kind of it you fall into the groove or are you kind of each one a little bit different i mean I depending th I, th I think it you know um probably to the lay person not to the educated like you guys. <laughs> the lay? Well, none of, the, none of those people are in this room. Right? Jay. Jay. Um, Jay's lay. Hey. It, it would probably look all the same, you know. Yeah. You know, um, But I, I think that I'm always, I'd like to think I'm always trying different different things. Um, Is this an earlier painting, this one here with the... Um, that's the actually pretty pretty recent. That's that's uh, when I was working on in the, in the fall. So then I would uh, say they don't really look the same to the layperson. Are you letting go of paintbrushes? Like, it seems like the application of paint on some of them is, like, almost all palette knife. Is that right, or...? Um, I, there's a lot of palette knife. I, I actually do a lot um, of flattening the paint, like, even if I don't put it on with a palette knife, um, to just to get the shape to lay down. Because I don't really like... I don't know why. I, like brush strokes. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's not because they're categorically bad, but because if there's too much textural disruption in, in, within the shape, to me, it, it tends to not let the shape read as mm -hmm. much as I want it to. So I will put the paint on with a big brush and then take a squeegee to flatten it, mm. to, to turn it into almost like a, like a printed, like a silk screen sort right. of printed. Mm. Yeah, like, um, like a rolling squeegee? No, what do you like a window washer? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like for silk screening. That yeah, kind of but thing. those are too stiff. You need oh, like yeah. A, yeah, but um, and then I do a lot of of you know drawing into it. It's sort of like what a friend of mine calls like a mop and cut approach to painting, which uh -huh. is like slosh the paint and then cut into it. You know, uh -huh. um, as opposed to a sort of uh, put the piece of paint next to another piece of paint next to another piece of paint. Are you cutting in with a with a palette knife or just the brush? Usually a brush. with a okay. very soft uh, synthetic brush is mm -hmm. mostly what I use. Um, like flats? No, rounds. Huh? But they're they're you know I use that and then like a half inch house painter brush basically. Mm -hmm. It's funny yeah. when we've talked to you know artists in the past, our friends and everything like you know Joseph McGurl and 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 Jeremy Mann and all these people yeah, where yeah. they're bring, they're taking and and. Uh, Daniel Sprick, yeah. that you just, they were just finding things. Yeah. Finding like Home Depot and doing like the weird little or, stuff with yeah, them. Some like Martha Stewart stippler. Yeah. I've tried those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just like kind of experimenting like with ink objects. rollers. Yeah. I, yeah, I tried the, the roller I never had much success with. But, but I mean, you know, you're trying to get paint on the canvas. Yeah. And uh, you do it in the way that seems most efficient and it doesn't it doesn't look much like the picture of the painter with his beret holding his palette and his nine nightly or nicely Not organized brushes sexy. Like, yeah. and, and your squeegee yeah. Yeah. your like window it's, washer yeah. squeegee I mean mine looks a little bit more like a like a when I'm outside it looks like a homeless guy with like you know a bunch of crappy pickups and, uh, working on a painting like um, a construction <laughs> worker yeah. just like Argh. pretty much yeah um, do you tend to um paint more outside or inside these days or i mean i i i was only painting outside um like i would go out in the winter when it was super cold yeah. um and just for fun i just just, <laughs> just because i really liked the excitement of seeing the stuff that was outside uh -huh. I, um but now i'm finding that i i can uh find you know get as much interest inside as i was getting outside 
And so I just can't do the winter outside. It's just, I get cold so easily. Yeah, and not like, feeling your hands is, oh, for painting is not yeah. great. So, but what, whenever possible, I want to be outside. You do? Yeah. yeah. So you do want to, so if somebody were to say, oh, you're like a cityscaper, a landscape painter, you'd be like, no, it's just. I mean, I, I, I'd kill them. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I, um, I, I mean, I guess I consider myself an outdoor painter yeah. for the most part. Yeah. But but you guys know what happened like, to the figure though? I mean that was pretty like they, you know what happened? They what? people charge you to model for them. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh. And you know what else? It's got to happen at a specific time. Well, we're going to work for Jay their schedule. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, how much they charge? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, well, I'll beat that. They won't pay just anybody. They'll do Jay. it for a handful of kibble. <laughs> um, I would love to work with a figure. The way I work it is so um, not hospitable to using other people and paying an hourly rate for them to yeah. well it's less the, it's, yeah it's less the pay and more the the um just the whims of my working habits would be i just i don't think i could use the time well are you not I mean, like a nine to five kind of in the studio guy like it what is your yeah so i'm not um i'm not great about scheduling i try to be um but you know, I, I'll I'll be able to put in on a good day like four or five hours of, of painting, but mm-hmm. then there's three days of teaching, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know I don't paint that much. Actually, I mean I don't know. Do you how how often do you? Well, paint? increasingly I find that like I look at the painting like when I'm in the studio, yeah. I look at the painting a lot more than I used to. Yeah. Like I I have to. F- sit there and it takes yeah. longer to problem solve than it used to in the that's past. because your brain is getting slower yeah no i know <laughs> what about you how often are you in the well i'm painting a lot more now because i'm not teaching all that much because i'm kind of stuck in dallas for, yeah. <laughs> for right now and i'm um... just not teaching um so i try to paint but like anything else i'm sure we all understand that um your intention is to paint a lot, but it doesn't necessarily that is not, that is not But I'm in the intention. studio like eight hours a day at Are least really? trying to, yeah. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I show up and I'm sitting and I'm, you know, I'm trying to work on the paintings, okay. but sometimes I, I'm finding increasingly that like, you know, maybe more like your experience painting that like, it's harder to call a painting finished to yeah. kind of be like, all right, I'm done with this. And particularly with uh, a lot of the commissions that I've been doing, like, if somebody trusts me to kind of commission a painting up front, yeah. I feel like I really have to deliver. I feel like I gotta put a few more. Yeah, yeah. Weeks well, that's, in on I this. mean that's that's yeah. another thing I think that that it will be uh I would be remiss to not point out that you can't paint like this if anybody cares what you make. Like that I mean you cannot paint like this for a gallery to support you well, it's just uh, too unpredictable well un- but eventually somebody's going to look at your paintings and say i love what you do so make me one <laughs> well and then i couldn't do it i don't think uh, <laughs> I, 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 say, I don't know what it's gonna look like so um i mean i think yeah you have to have sign, sign a waiver <laughs> you'd have to really just have total um yeah you can't have anybody care at all about what what you make i think that's the that's the super important thing yeah. i mean 
That's even kind of go like, I mean, when you send stuff to a gallery and they don't care, that's also, <laughs> that's sort of a double-edged well, sword. I, I, mean, like I was saying to you, like, I just didn't even know there were galleries anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. The model seems like it's shifting, and yeah. particularly for this kind of painting, which we can't define in words, but we all know when we see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just well, defined it in words, just different. Thank you, Jay Brown. You heard it here first. <laughs> but, but do you, I mean, you, you had a show recently, didn't you? Last uh, year? Joshua Liner, right? Yeah, that was actually... Two years ago. No, it wasn't. No, it was no like, you had a mini yeah. show. Though. Time flies, yeah. It was like two and a half oh years ago, dude. But you yeah. also had a show not too long ago that no, you No, I I mean, I try to give some galleries like a piece here or there, but I've been kind of... Yeah, you do group shows. I mean, we all do group I've shows. I've done group, some group shows, but I've been really distant. Not even trying, but I've been just kind of distancing myself yeah. from galleries. Not, not forever, but just, I don't know, it's... But it creates I think a everything dilemma, is just though. kind of changing. Our standards are changing. What you find interesting is changing. Yeah. And that um, that old uh, way of doing things, I don't know if it's like necessarily the way. It's yeah. it, I don't know if it works. But when anymore. you're when but you're teaching people, I think it, it like I don't know. I I feel like a responsibility to help kind of figure something out yeah. that will yeah. work because it, it well, like it, there's got to be some viable place for them to go when they're done learning yeah. how to paint a certain way yeah it's just starbucks there's um, <laughs> no, you I'm, know what no seriously you brought up a good point earlier about getting this type of crazy training that we were doing mm -hmm. but how it's not necessarily like for i think for us it's like this is what we want to do we want to focus in on this and be artists but the idea that anything you do you can go into it with the same muscle memory yeah, of how to solving, how to problem kinda. solve this thing yeah. it's something that i'm now that i have like kids now that i'm super interested in is um you know, you, the idea that we don't know what life is going to be like in 10 to 15 years right. when our kids are going to get into the workforce or 20 years from now and how everything is exponentially changing yeah that to have the old method of teaching our kids isn't going to work anymore that we need to almost train their brain that's what i think yeah to be able to be able to problem solve stuff in right. the future for them so the idea that when they're five six seven years old and and a little older that they should probably be doing some art yeah you know well, because think, it's a yeah. great training ground for the neurons and everything yeah. to be able to problem solve i i think that i completely agree with you i think that you you i think that you learn to problem solve you don't teach somebody problem solving. You teach them painting, and they learn to problem they learn solve. Right. But yeah. you know, yeah. it's not like. Although I'm sure there's some MBA school out there where you can like study problem solving 101, mm -hmm. please, which is nonsense. But um, yeah. yeah, and I I'm, I do believe that experience is really the only way you actually ever learn anything. Yeah, and um, failing is a really yeah, great that's tool. All the, yeah. yeah. Oh man, I'll tell you, I, this is I've. Put you know way too many bathrooms in for somebody who's not a professional plumber. <laughs> and I get better at it because like I, I'll tell you what not to do. And the thing is that the thing note to self. <laughs> but but I think actually the the have the, the water go down the toilet, <laughs> not up the toilet. Oh, is that the problem? <laughs> I think that you do. That sometimes those problems have to be fairly high stakes for you to learn. And so like yeah. I mean like the no it, net thing a little bit. Yeah. Like you gotta. Fuck some shit up. Yeah, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be willing to like, and you gotta eat cry a little hard. bit about it. Yeah, like, yeah. And um, I mean, it's. I, I I think. Do you think a lot of people are not 
learning that these days? Oh, or do you think I don't, they are? I don't think, I mean, I have a very, very, very poor opinion of, of what people learn these days. <laughs> um, and it's probably only what informs partial. That? Isolation? Um, no, it, it, <laughs> probably a, a little bit of contact with higher education, I think. Um, uh-huh. uh, but but I, I think that, you know, naturally we try to solve the our kids problems for them because we don't want to see them see struggle. them struggle the same way we did but it's like yeah hello that's not how they or learn because anything. we don't have to want to deal with <laughs> that's <our> crying <laughs> like, kids yeah, yeah. yeah. but, but i'm but super I mean, guilty of that like well, but, i know I mean, i'm doing it too but like, i mean i'm thinking more in terms of like um you know your students and stuff like that and and um you know how did you learn you learned like you're gonna cry, man. It's not gonna be awesome. And I think now, for some reason, we have convinced everybody that if they're unhappy, you know, it's something wrong with the world and the environment. Just like not that unhappiness is just a natural part of life. Yeah. <laughs> like I know. Mean, right. I listened. To, uh, I listened to a podcast recently, and they were talking about that. And some people were saying like we're actually conditioned to be unhappy because yeah. it's part of the struggle to become happy and yeah. you'll never get there but it it fuels the yeah, the moving forward. Yeah. So you're supposed to struggle. Yeah, and I I think that's what you know, the atelier I think actually does a very good job of helping you learn to struggle. <laughs> I mean, for me at least. Uh, well, I guess I would distinguish between the, the atelier as an educational model and as a particular proponent of a certain content. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, because me, I'm less interested in the content. I really am not sure it matters whether you learn, you know, the violin or structure-based painting or whatever. Um, I, I, I have a huge amount of faith in the the uh, in that kind of learning environment. Like, first of all, it's I think the corporate takeover of education is probably the worst, or the corporate model of education yeah. is the end of the world, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm kind of there with um, you. <laughs> and and so and I I would sort of be a much more uh, I, I'm I'm an advocate of what I would call much more like a family model of education, which is essentially what I think the atelier is like. Um, like and empowering the teacher to kind of have a relationship with the people they're right. working with on an individual basis. And and also a kind of a mutual trust that is not um, that is not sort of a kind of legally binding, you know, you have you pro- right. you owe me these services because I gave you this money. Right. And it's like, you know, when I'm sure I mean, what was it like when you started at Jacobs? It was like, look, if you can't pay we get it that's fine yeah. he really can't pay yeah. he can pay and he's a good guy so he's gonna pay and you know we'll all pitch in you know it's yeah it's, it was more yeah. of a collective exactly and, and that, it was also like he would show up jacob and teach us and yeah. then you or know not. a couple months he'd just <laughs> right. be like well i was painting for a show i and, didn't see you guys for a couple months and you guys didn't write to student services no, to complain we just right. said, okay you just think well that's the deal see you when you yeah. see you right and and i think I mean, you have to operate in much smaller units to do that kind of thing. It that seems doesn't, it just like, doesn't scale. Right, like that would scale in your home right. studio. It doesn't scale in no, an institution that has to pay insurance and, and, that's, and an that's, administrator. And, and that's because those institutions are just too big. They're just, they're just too big as far as I'm concerned. Well, I wonder, I mean, I wonder if there's something in between because, I mean, I do think that uh, like the students at the current GCA benefit from the fact that Jacob's not the only person teaching, and so then there are other people coming in. And yeah. if Jacob's gone for a show, or, or I'm gone painting for a show, which I am right now. You're currently gone for a like, show. Like 
somebody else is is there so that the they're they're not just like yeah. having to spend two months figuring out for themselves they're having to spend the time in between teachers being there figuring it out for themselves yeah. on a regular basis but there's still somebody you know help helping because there's an awful lot to get through but, in but a I short would imagine of time. that the from and I've I've ne- never been invited <laughs> to the like um, but I would imagine that the environment is still f- pretty f- familial. In yeah, that sense. for sure. That, yeah, that sure. it's not. Um, right. You know, there's probably not a lot of like resentment about getting your money's worth or anything like. Well, yeah, I mean, certainly there's. There, well, I, I would say that 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 dynamic did change from the time that I was studying, and you know, I didn't expect anything for my right. money really. Well, and you probably weren't paying that much of it either. Right. I mean, yeah. that, I mean yeah. was, that's. I think that's the other thing is that, you know, if you want to empower somebody and create a possibility for them to go out and and work in the world as you know, making art. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really don't want to send them out a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Well, that's like sure. pretty yeah. much a guarantee they will not be making art. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. it should be, you know. I I also think that another you know reason to study something like painting though is that I mean we can't be too far off like from a time when we don't need people to do much. I mean, <laughs> we're, I'm serious. We're right down yeah. the street. No, I mean, yeah. so like, <laughs> actually, yeah, that's yeah like we around are. the corner. Right. So so what like. I mean, that's why the trades are going to be really important. Well, They're but still even going to have to yeah. be able to fix that bathroom. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, that's true. Um, but but no, I think but, but floating I mean, grout will and they're making be. a lot of money too. <laughs> but but I mean, I'm thinking of like what what kind of things people will do for to to give their lives meaning, meaning. when you know we don't need them to do anything. Yeah. You know, like um, and I think you know painting is. Or any form of making things is is just the way to go. I, yeah, I, I agree with the idea that anybody who's making anything at the highest level or attempting to make it yeah. some, something at the highest level is is an important person. Yeah, he or she is an important person to society. Yeah, whatever it is, you know. I think it also makes you less hostile. Like, I think so. You're too busy, you like, turn, yeah, like yeah, concentrating on trying to make this thing. Less hostile. <laughs> <laughs> it made Ted angrier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's funny. Well, so do you have any? So you're not really shown in in galleries I, or any of that. I, I I know. I mean, I I that just sort of fell off a cliff, for, which is good. I mean, it's fine for yeah. me. Um, but you don't like to let go of the paintings. It seems like you were a be, long time on your paintings, right? I'd be happy to let go of any of them. I mean, right? but <laughs> I'm taking that. One. <laughs> All right. Um, I yeah, well, oh, I don't theory. mind. I, I I have no. I called it. I just I, if something it's comes back to me, I'll and I feel like working on it again. I'll do it. Um, I'm mostly, I'm mostly concerned with what, sharing the paintings in some way in real life with people. So uh, not well, not like Instagram, but like in real life, like yeah, showing them, like in real life, like having, yeah, yeah. Well, and I mean, that's so a big just distinction because anybody like a lot of people studio. are seeing yeah, yeah. paintings online, online only, yeah. and, right. and it's, I mean. I'll take somebody seeing my painting online versus not seeing it at all, Absolutely. but it's not. It's a really sorry substitute. Yeah, this. I got a bee on my bonnet over that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. we've been talking about it. Like we, we but do you know what's an interesting thing to think about about that? I, I thought about that a lot, like about reproduction. And you know that the term, what's it's like an information technology term, substrate independence. Yeah. You know what that means? That means like when you take. Um, you can encode information in a certain substrate. So like that can either be a computer that can take you know binary code or or a paint panel that can receive paint in certain orientations and things like that. Yeah. 
And but there are things about that information that can be trans transcribed into another format. So there there is there are things like you can I can write the letter A on this board with mm -hmm. a pen, right? I can also write the letter A on a piece of paper. Those are two different substrates, but the information stays intact, right? Okay. The trend, mm -hmm. like the, the the idea of the letter A stays intact across those two right. substrates. Right. Okay, right. so what? Um, there is something about a painting that does transcend the substrate. It does. It, there is a a component of the painting such that I would rather look at a shitty reproduction of a Velasquez than at a, than at a, at a shitty painting in real life. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what is that? I'm so fascinated by mm -hmm. that idea. That's interesting. What, what configuration of shapes or values can survive? What survives? That brutal process right. of, Well, and think yeah. about it. Same thing about this with music. Like, um, yeah, we can listen it to sound good on a car, on a shitty car right stereo. exactly so yeah. what is it it's the song right but think about this like so you can listen to if the recording quality is so bad that the tones are indistinguishable you've lost the song you know what i'm saying yes. like there is a place where the substrate can influence the way the information comes across and and so i think about it a lot in fact Everything for painting to me, I think about in terms of music instead because I, I have no ego investment in music, so I can think more clearly about music because mm -hmm. I don't care if I'm bad at it or not. Right. Um, and so I think a lot about why I like certain music and what I ask of it in terms of skills as opposed to emotional content or whatever, uh, and even subject matter and form, you know, things like that. But why is it that I could whistle, say, the opening bars of the Goldberg variations or something like that, and even a shitty whistling job of that is better, it's more beautiful. There's something contained in that configuration of notes that will survive across, you know, either from a piano to somebody doing a bad job humming it. Like, I am so it's interested. It's still better than it's like melody. a shitty yeah, song. It's a good <laughs> melody. Okay, and so what is the painting version of, of melody? A good melody. Yeah, yeah, like what is that? Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess, I mean, if, if I could be so bold, maybe do it. composition? Yeah, it's part of it, but part probably it, not but entirely. Yeah, because, like but that. I wonder how much of that, like, you've seen a lot of those paintings in real life and had experiences with them, and so that Velasquez so, painting, So there's you know, an, there's an inference. You infer information about Correct, with, and yeah. and you you that bad reproduction of the Velasquez is only like a launching point to your memory of a relationship with that real painting. I would I would take that, except I think I have um, seen. I think I'd fallen in love with reproductions before I'd seen the paintings. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and we're conditioned are, to see. I mean, I know I saw reproductions before, before anything, but by right. somebody who you've never heard of before. I think when I was younger, yeah. yeah. I because think, you definitely I don't like think, infer, like you I'll could you, see a Velasquez that you've never seen in person, but, but infer from his other right. work, right. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, I mean, I, I'm not absolutely sure, but I, I think that there would be stuff that I, that I liked by reproduction before I had any sense of what it would look like in real life. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I, you know, I, I don't know, but I just think your question about Instagram is a huge thing that I think about a lot. Like, yeah. Um, because I don't want to write it off and be like, oh, that's not the thing. It does contain it's some essence Often, of a thing. But then you know? on the other hand, I've also seen things on Instagram because it's such a tiny little oh. reproduction. I've seen things there that I'm like, oh my God, that's yeah. amazing. And then I go see it and yeah. I'm like, 
is this even the same yeah. thing? I mean, like, it's, yeah. it, it reproduces so much better on a little phone screen. Yeah. You go to a gallery and you're like, that's it? Oh, my yeah. God, this is terrible. It's not that impressive. I, yeah. yeah I, 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 at the end of the day, if I, if, if I put it on the wall in the house, I mean, I just want to, I want to want to look at it. And I think, you know, I, I actually, I tell my students this, um, which is my way of trying to tell myself that it, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. like if I did half the things I tell my students to do, I'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> There's no question If you listen it. to your own oh, advice. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Um, but, but, you know, I, I tell them like, you know, because people wonder like, well, this person said I should do that and this person said I should do this and this looks good. And, um, and I always think like, if you had a, like, a, a prison cell, you're going to be in this cell and you can make one thing to look at. Like, what's it going to be? Yeah. And like, that will answer all of your questions for you yeah. about what you need to make. Yeah. I'm sorry, because otherwise you're making it for somebody else to look at or even worse for what you think somebody, somebody else, else wants mm-hmm. to see, which nobody wants to see what you think they want to see. Right. You know, and so I, to me, that is just the gold standard, like, and I, you know, we have a place in our house that I just always imagine, like, all right, if I'm sitting in that chair, what do I want to look at? Yeah. You know, what what will like give back to me? So I haven't done it yet. But just right around the corner there. there. All right. and is, it, is it made by you? It is actually. It's it's I'm uh, go it's functional. How, yeah. oh, I'm I apologize in advance, Pete. You can't can't bring Jay Braun anywhere. Can't have nice things with Jay. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Travis Schlott on his Instagram. I love that. I had, love it. it. I don't know if it's still there, but he used to have a quote on, or his like little blurb, you know, you can say something, yeah. and it, he wrote, uh, paint, paint the, the paintings that it, you would have on your own wall because they're probably going to wind up there anyway. So I, I, say, I, I quote that all the time to my students. I think it's absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, no, it's good. Um, it's true, though. I mean, it and, is true. And if you do that, you're always going to be happy with the painting, or right. you're more likely to be happy with the paintings because you're well, painting the things that you know are meaningful to you for whatever yeah. reason. I also believe, though, other people will actually be happy with the yeah, paintings yeah, that way. True. I think. Well, it's more true um, to who you are, yeah, and right. you. I, I can't say what you would want in a painting, right. but I can say what I well, like to paint, right. and I can do that. That's, yeah. I mean, that's generally how I sell myself for commissions is... Well, that must be tough. I mean, the commission thing must be... Uh, I mean, I, I, I wonder how, how do you handle that? Because it's, it's this odd dynamic because somebody's saying, Ted, I want you to, to do what you do but please do it the way that I like. For me, for me. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it I, find, I, I, don't, I don't find that I hear too much of the latter. So yeah. I think most often it's... I love these paintings. Here are a few that I particularly love. Right. Um, and, you know, can you paint something? And yeah. if I'm into the things that they've identified, then yeah. I kind of almost use those as, stu- like I show them a bunch of plein air sketches. Yeah. And, and usually I show people, I curate what I show people yeah. so that I'm only mm. painting things that are of interest to me. I see. But it, in the event that somebody chooses something that's maybe you know, not totally, then I'll just kind of off-road and start doing studies that maybe I incorporate some elements of that, but also bring it back into like the radius of what I find interesting at that particular moment. So you're doing a little bit of of, of guiding of the, of the, 
of you the know, taste a little bit. I do, I do, but it's funny. Like I do all this stuff, these gymnastics, to try and <laughs> like engineer a situation that I'm going to be happy with. And most often, Does like happen? all of these gymnastics, and people are like, "Yeah, whatever." Like, they don't, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like, working so hard, you're like exhausted. Yeah. You're like, I didn't have to do that. Yeah, and, as, as it turns out, they're like, "We okay. really it's, just it's we're fine. commissioning you to it's paint fine. a painting that you want to paint." Like, I that's what that's, it you're is. You're actually boring them at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's that. That is funny because you. It's a little disappointing at the same time because you feel like, oh, you don't even really care that much, do you? Like, like you're probably not even going to look at it. It's going to go in the closet. Sometimes you think that. But, yeah. you know, I, I like to try to yeah. at least give myself a little bit of hope and say, you know what? They just like my the paintings that they've seen of mine. I yeah, want something yeah, yeah. like that. Hey, do you do any workshops or any of that? Like, do people I go to Seattle to do uh, Gage Academy. Gage, I try yeah. to do that every year, um, but my, my older brother lives out there, so that's just a nice thing for me to go out there, stay at his house, and, and teach out there. And yeah. I go in, like, the one week of the year that it's not raining. Um, <laughs> so I get to do outside. Do you do outside, outside painting with Have him? you been there? It's beautiful. I have yeah. 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 Man, if you, like... <clears throat> You know, Carolyn and I spend a lot of time in South Alabama, and painting in South Alabama is tough because it's like all flat and it's all organic, and yeah. it's like really that does not lend itself to the way I interpret space, you know. <laughs> yeah. And and it's just it's brutal, and and it's I think of it as high altitude training for for painting. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. like if you can paint in South Alabama then in the summer, paint did you paint anywhere? <laughs> yeah. Because it's just like you you look like there's no material. You have to yeah. work so hard. Yeah. Um, like I paint in the Walmart parking lot and like Burger King and like all that stuff because it's just that's the landscape there. Yeah. Um, but and I actually I love it. I've learned to love it. But I go from there to Seattle like straight from there to Seattle to paint and Seattle visually it's just like it's it, oh yeah like it's, if it's you can't looking. make you don't even have to try to make a good painting yeah. there it's yeah. like it's pre-painted for you like <laughs> you've got these hills and then you've got the water and you've got boats and it's like just it just spreads itself over the picture plane so beautifully yeah. and and so I, but I do that every um try to do it every summer are you doing it this summer I hope so yeah nice. and then yeah. you're at PAFA I'm at PAFA during the school year and doing um, teaching undergrad uh, BFA students and um, also doing this thing that I'm super excited about now, which is my experiment in um, these sort of education, which is in the continuing education department. Just I have some folks that I've worked with for a long time. Um, they've just been taking my classes over the years. And so um, it turned into sort of having just a sort of studio environment there where I was there to critique and they were, you know, pretty much setting themselves up and, and, uh, it's just the, the, the educational environment that I want, you sort know? of a loose atelier kind sort of, of thing. sort of, yeah. And, and it's just the, it's the environment that I want It's on my terms and, um, the people are just awesome, and uh, I do that one day a week. We sort of have the full reign of the cast hall there, and that's at um, Pafa. It's at Pafa, oh, yeah, yeah, but it's through the continuing ed department, yeah. um, and uh, that's really what I'm interested in now, uh, from a teaching point of view, is um, you know just having being around smallish groups of people, being completely disconnected from all accreditation, um, yeah, and uh, you know I, I think there's. I mean, I, I, there's a place for that, but not in uh, not for me in, in painting. I'm not sure what that has to do with painting. <laughs> you know, like, 
Um, so um, yeah, I do a lot. Of, I spend a lot of time teaching. Actually, a lot yeah. of time. Yeah. Yeah. And but, do you like it? Do you still continue? Like, because it can get. I do. I, I love it. Seems but like it you can think get hard. about it a lot. Yeah. I I do love it. Um, a lot of what I'm doing has is not the same. Like you guys are always teaching sort of something that makes sense to you, and I've had the I would say misfortune and good fortune of having to confront a lot of stuff that was way outside of my um, range of interest and, mm-hmm. and a lot of stuff that, that is just, I've met some just that some of the coolest people and, and I have some great, great colleagues at, at PAFA and people who have made me think so much harder. Um, and, uh, I think have made me much better at painting for sure. I've learned, I would say my painting education has, was the Florence Academy and then learning as a teacher at PAFA basically yeah. it was like, um, and so, I, yeah, I will continue to do that. I think um, it's the only... Like, I'm completely unemployable in every other way. So, like, <laughs> Qualified well, for You can put in bathtubs. I, and, yeah, hey, that's true. But, you know, it's funny. Money it, when I started there, it was basically an academy, you know. And I, had, I don't have a college degree or anything, yeah. you know. Um, uh, and... And then it became a college while I was there. So I ended up teaching, you know, like I'm teaching. You got grandfathered in. Yeah. So you don't have to like have an MFA or something like that. No, I don't have anything. I mean, and. It seems kind of ridiculous that there's these higher, you know, forms of universities and stuff. (laughs) You couldn't, that you like, people who are super experienced in like the real world. Yeah. Even be able right. to teach, they would right. be the best teachers. Well, that's yeah. I think that was another thing that attracted me to the atelier thing. Was like, at least I saw people who could demonstrably, you know, well, could do something. You know, yeah. like, yeah. and and it wasn't that it, that everybody in the universities was incompetent. I don't think that's true at all. But um, it didn't seem clear to me that that they were doing making things yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure when i when, yeah. like the when struggle. i first went to study with jacob i went to his studio and he was painting for a show and he had like six paintings going yeah. and he was like fiddling yeah. with the shades to get the lighting right on yeah. like a bunch of backpacks that he yeah. had on a bed that was <laughs> supposed to represent a, a nude that he had painted and he was working on the sheets around the nude yeah. and it was like so inspiring to see that energy and yeah. to see and that like when you see working artists yeah. working like that's almost as yeah. helpful as any bit of instruction that they're going to give you that's that's the most intoxicating thing i can ever remember is like go, is is going into people's studios it like even so, people yeah. whose work i didn't like yeah. i mean <laughs> no just like oh i want to do that yeah, like yeah. um i have just, to be careful about that cuz i don't want to be overly influenced by just oh, but I mean, so but I, I, I just mean, and I don't mean like that, that, that the work is necessarily intoxicating, but just the, the atmosphere, the yeah, environment, sure. you know, yeah. like, um, and I remember that when I went to, uh, you took us to Jacob's studio. Um, oh, yeah. And it was probably one of the first studios that, that I had been in, you know, that was really kind of exploding with stuff. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, he's incredibly uh, in, in Florence, we had a lot of, um, people had fairly small studios and, and. Um, it just looked like, whoa, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Like, uh, look at all this stuff. <laughs> uh, of course, I've never been to your studio today. Or your studio today. That's not true. I gave you, like, bad directions and you came by the old studio, not real... the new one. Oh, you have a new one? Because I'm dyslexic. <laughs> yeah, well, about 10 years, but <laughs> I do get bad directions. I, mean, I remember well, that When was the last time you were in New York? 
Um, yeah, Rod, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yeah. yeah. I don't know how. I mean, we've we Did tried to go Sasha to the. In a backpack? We went to the Lehman Drawing Show not long ago. Have you been okay. to the Michelangelo show? No, we were trying that? to go. It's good. And then we it was just too. We didn't have enough time. We're gonna go back. We went to see go. that Leonard Anderson show. You know Leonard Anderson? He's a uh, he was had a show. He's he died just recently, but he had a show at um, Lee Morris, which is just around the corner from the Met. So we went to see that in the Lehman. Did you see the little Lehman drawings of the like the Ang drawings? I and heard the, about that show. I didn't go to see that. Wow, that was I was amazing. so busy with Michelangelo. Well, I want to go to Michelangelo. It is good. Did is, you get, I have a quick question just about your paintings. Is is Antonio Lopez Garcia a big influence? I have not heard of this, this character. Who's <laughs> um, this character? Yeah. He's because the yeah, texture, in a lot of ways. like the layering, I think, and also the painting things in and out. I mean, I know that he spends a lot of time on his paintings, and uh, at times, like things are, you know, buildings get yeah, built, and, and go, all of yeah. a sudden, you know, there's a he he's adding in a building. There's there's a, a, a lot that I really do love about about Lopez, um, and and a lot of it has to do. I don't know, with the kind of just dogged persistence, I think, yeah. more than anything else. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I look at him a lot. I, it's funny, though. I look more at Rackstraw Downs as probably, mm-hmm. a, as a contemporary mm-hmm. in, a painter, probably somebody who I'm more curious about. Um, but I look a lot like Canaletto and Vermeer. And, yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, and Corot. I'm a huge fan of, of yeah, Corot. I can definitely yeah. see the Kuro a little bit of that. And then, I don't know, I, what else? And I draw a lot now, too, because I don't have time to paint, it seems like. Oh, really? I mean, yeah. I mean, I've been are trying to the learn. drawings, are you doing drawings as drawings, or are they I'm trying just to ways now. to, oh, yeah. I'm trying to, yeah. In fact, as, I'm like, kind of getting that, yeah, I kind of yeah. getting that from, from, like, you guys who, like, actually make drawings, like, for real drawings. <laughs> do you do that still? I do, yeah, yeah. I actually have a frame that I wanted to do a drawing for, for the, yeah. for the show. I don't know if I'll have time, because drawings take so much longer than paintings. Yeah, right? See, I have, I never really learned to make a graphite drawing. I really want to learn to make a graphite drawing. Mm-hmm. Because um, I see so many cool graphite drawings, yeah, and they and they, it's just never been a medium that that I could get any kind of clarity out of. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and so I've been just trying to do that right recently. It's funny because I'm doing I'm I've been wanting to do charcoal drawings because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't really messed with charcoal much, a yeah. little bit, yeah. But um, the idea of it becoming kind of that more kind of fluid painterly yeah. thing. Yeah. I kind of want to like I, I I think the graphite for me is an issue of portability too. Like yeah, I really yeah. there's so much stuff that I want to paint. It's just like I can't set up there, you yeah. know. Um so I I just and and after seeing that Lehman collection uh show, you know, you can do the smallest thing and it can be so incredible. Yeah, like I mean, super I mean, powerful. Like it doesn't even matter. You can't sell it, it for a whole <laughs> <laughs> But but you know, yeah. it just it can be tiny and yeah, it, and yeah. blow your mind. Yeah. And so I just figure I'm just gonna try that for a while. Size doesn't matter. I, that is what I am betting everything on that. <laughs> That's an awesome place to have. All right. All right. Hey, you're awesome. I'm super oh, thanks I'm for so excited. These paintings are Cool. You yeah, gotta come by, and we gotta do a little ride around uh, yeah. around the city. You know, if I can get my bike to run. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really uh, jealous that you guys have bikes. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, don't get a bike. When Ted was like, I'm getting like, a bike. I'm like, don't no, get a bike. don't get a bike. 
You're too dangerous. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, Pete. thank and you guys. And so fun. Uh, where can people find you? Do you have like a website or any of that? Crazy I'm usually at my house. <laughs> Outside or, uh, of your house. Yeah, yeah I, have a web, I have a website that uh, is just petervandykeart.com, but it's D Y C K, not D Y K E. Yeah. <laughs> And then I have, if I'm on Facebook, I'm, I'm on Facebook. You're, you're yeah. on Instagram. I'm on okay. Instagram. Yeah. yeah, I follow you on Instagram. Um, yeah. yeah. I definitely follow you. And that's it. And I have a cell phone, but don't call it. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank I, you, guys. I won't call your cell phone. <laughs> we will talk soon. All right. All right. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Excellent Jay Braun, 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 Braun. My headphones just, like, kicked out halfway through. These things. Oh, that's why. I thought you took them off because you didn't want to hear Tony blabbing anymore. No, these are. <laughs> like, enough well, I did that already. <laughs>